welcome to the Nomadic Mindset Season 1. My name is Kevin Cottom, a global nomad and the author of the leadership book, The Nomadic Mindset Never Settle for Too Long. Over the season, we will go on a journey to discover what is the nomadic mindset and how you can tap into that. For this, I will be interviewing a diverse group of cross-cultural thought leaders from all walks of life. So let's get on with it. Let's go nomading together. Welcome back to The Nomadic Mindset. And if this is your first time to the podcast, great to have you listening in. In this episode, The Nomadic Mindset meets humanity through social leadership. Ah, a massive subject is this. For this, I am honored to have Andrea T. Edwards, CSP, the digital conversationalist, change agent, provocateur, passionate communicator, and social leader as our guest for today. Andrea is a powerhouse of authentic social media. She challenges organizations and business leaders to think differently about integrity in the digital age through the positive potential of social media. Let's dig in and listen to what Andrea has to say on social leadership and the nomadic mindset. So can you just tell me something? I want to know, what is a digital conversationalist? <laughs> right. So when I set the digital conversationalist up in, I think it was 2016, like most things, I spent probably a good couple of years just really trying to work out what, what, is, what is the brand that I want to take into the market, you know, and what's important, why. It's got, to, it's got to mean something. And the number one thing that I understood about becoming a social leader on social media is it's about the it's about conversations it's not about just putting stuff out there into the world and seeing what sticks it's about creating conversations with your community that can inspire change or different ways of thinking or conversations where you can really get down and, and disagree with other in, each other in a respectful way but yeah it's about having conversations social media is about having conversations and i think too many people are still sort of sitting in the broadcast mentality which is the old media they miss the, the word social. So Digital Conversationalist was really about packaging up that idea that that's what we're here for. We're, we're here to have conversations and to create change and to help people, to serve each other, and, and that's that's where it came from. Mm, it's lovely. Conversations stimulate conversations, thoughts, and ideas. It's fantastic. I, you said to say something about broadcast is the old way. What do you mean by that? Because I'm not sure what you mean by that. Right. Before we had social media, we had broadcast media, right? So it was the TVs, it was newspapers, and, and basically experts came together and gave us their points of view. And as we see still to this day, media has its own bent, right? If you watch Fox, it's very much more the right wing, um, and then there's more liberal, liberal media, and we tend to go to the media that suits our own point of view. But prior to social media, and, and basically since, you know, for as long for as long as mankind has been civilised, right, there are the powers that be that control knowledge, control information. So when the printing press was invented in the Middle Ages, you know, for the first time we had this surge of humanity who had access to information for the first time because, you know, uh, it became cheaper to produce books. And so and then and people started to learn how to read, right, really. The power of being able to read. We didn't ha even have that. And so then you bring it all the way forward to, to the social media era. And it's one of the reasons I'm so positive about it. It's the first time that we have control of the information waves. 
whereas it's always been in the control of the powers. And I think a lot of the, dis, uh, you know, how unstable it is in the world at the moment comes from that. And we obviously see the negative side of everyone having a voice, but the positive side, the people power side of social media is one of the things that I get most excited about it. We control the information that we access. We, we're, the own, we're our own editors and sub-editors today. We don't have to rely on the powers that be for our information sources anymore. We've got billions of different sources. I mean, the first um, decade of this century, we created more information than has been created than in all of human history. And since 2010, it's been doubling every year. So there's an enormous amount of information out there in the world at the moment, um, which is creating both a problem, but it's also an opportunity because we all have access to this knowledge. And, uh, and my, I suppose one of my missions in the world is to really help people understand the, the power of, of, the, of the good of it and, and how we have to focus on turning it into its, its good potential versus focusing only on the negative potential, which we're swamped with every day, right, How the negativity of social media. And totally agree with the negativity of social media, by the way, but we can't chop that, chop that out without risking losing something even greater, and that is the, our own ability to be part of the information cycle in the world today. And I think that's, I, I think, one of the fundamental reasons why I love it so much. It's, it's a total game changer for humanity. Well, and you are an incredible conversationalist when it comes to the social media because I am following you and you have some very astute words and thoughts. And I, yeah. I, 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 I applaud you for doing this. And I've learned an awful lot from you in that particular room. And I think that the audience can certainly benefit from reading your posts and stuff. But it, it, with this, I mean, you talked about the positive and negative, and there's a big thing going on right now because of the whole geopolitical situation mm -hmm. being very negative, and also the Twitter, the the Facebook, the, which are in some ways having a bit of a problem with, uh, with, with, with the way they're advertising with political and fake news. So what can you say to all of that? Uh, there's no question that the social media companies need to clean up their act. They need to do a much, much, much better job. I, I listen to the argument of allowing free speech and, you know, I grew up in a, a Western democracy, so I definitely agree with that. But I don't agree with, you know, the, the spreading of hate speech, the spreading of disinformation, allowing politicians to advertise, advertise falsely. You know, I talk a lot about climate change. If I try and promote one of my blogs or sponsor one of my blogs on Facebook, Facebook rejects my sponsorship. So I can't boost the content I create when I'm talking about the environment, but a politician in America can advertise falsely. So I think they've got a lot, of, they've got a lot to do to clean up their acts, but I think there's a lot of is other issues at play. And if we only focus on one, we're not focusing on so many of the other issues that are relevant are relevant to the problems in society today. I think the um, the power of demographics is is a big issue. So the older generation and the younger generation, we've never had so many older people in the world. So they and they still they have they dominate politics. They dominate voting. So we've got one. We've got to get the young people to vote. But two. But it, you know, then you look at other things like the crumbling of the education systems. You know, jailing people private jails. I mean, there's so many big societal issues that we face and it's not all social media's fault. 
but uh, it seems to be the place where everyone wants to target the, the argument. And I think we've got to be very careful because there's so much good in it. Let's get them to, they need to sort out what's bad, but it's a long process. But I don't think governments are in a position to do that because how can a government uh, even manage that, that sort of a process when the majority of people in government are well, well over 60, right? Um, and they're not even social, they're not even social themselves. So how can we trust them to make the right decisions? So, you know, we're in a, we're in a crisis of trust in the world and we have been for, um, for decades. If you look just recently, Edelman released their trust barometer, which they release every year and governments are at the, right at the bottom of trust. Mm. So we've got huge issues to deal with, but I think what we need to do is go much more big picture and look at the big issues. What are, what are the problems, you know? Drug addiction, not just not just the illegal drugs, but what you can get from the doctor. Um, you know, there's there's so many challenges in society, and we've got to start pulling the pulling these challenges apart. Inequality, things like that, and and look at how we can create a greater society where the vast majority of people benefit worldwide. And we have to do it fast. And the climate conversation needs to be absolutely the centre of that. So. We've got huge changes coming up for society and we can head towards catastrophe or we can head towards a utopia if we get it right, if we design it right and if we do it from, from the we – sit, we sit and look at all of the different aspects and we look at it from the right perspective. So it's a big conversation obviously but, um, yeah. you know, we've got, some, we've got a lot of work to do. We're not building <laughs> – we're not, we're, not, we're not building the best world we can and I, I would like to be a voice that – is contributing to helping define how we can build the best world for everybody or the vast majority. I don't think we'll ever get everybody in. Yes, I totally agree with you. And I, I like the way you talked about the perspective and it really is a, a perspective. And I would suggest that maybe perspective comes down to mindset as well as well, the mindset of individuals, the mindset of individual people in government, the mindset around these conversations that you're talking about. And what my sense of the matter is, and with regards to the nomadic mindset, is that we've become very narrow in our thinking patterns. Yeah. And it's it's that settler mindset that we're really honing in, pulling in the borders, pulling in everything around us. It's like, you know, pulling the covers over in our bed and I don't want to hear anything more, you know. Or, yeah. or and But that's not the place to be is what you're saying. And I would totally agree with you is that we need this more expansive broader view, which I think you started to say a bit earlier. So how do you feel that we can go in, in with that mindset to move into a sort of a broader mindset, expansive, which is the nomadic mindset? Well, I think one of the things we've got to do is we've got to stop politicizing words, right? So uh, there was a great example. I was in Denver sort of in the middle of last year and um, the word socialism came up. And this lady that I was having lunch with was obviously a Republican and she reacted so strongly to the word. And I said to her, why do you react so strongly to that word? And she go, and, and she started to go into this really negative sort of diatribe around socialism. And I'm like, well, surely you can see that there are many socialist countries in, on, in, the, in, in, in our world, some that wouldn't even define themselves as, uh, as socialists. But the vast majority of people in those countries have got very good lives. They've got great healthcare. Everyone's taken care of. So, you know, and it was it, it's the politicisation of the word socialism that gets people so so uptight. So, I think we've got to be really conscious of the words that we use and the politicisation of the words because it closes down opportunities to, to have a meaningful conversation. 
So I think that's one of the things that I, I, I've seen. And, 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 you know, the us and them mind sort of thing that's been growing as well. You're either with us or against us. You know, I, I listen to all points of view. If I have a very strong opinion in an area, I will read the opposing opinion. I always want to know what other people are saying because I want to make sure that I, I want to challenge myself and my own thinking. Um, but I think it's really important to be able to be aware of what other people are thinking because, because then you can have a proper conversation. If you're all just sitting in your corner and you're not willing to, to even go into the other person's corner, then we, we, we can't move forward. So I think opening, just being open to different ideas and, and not, not, not shutting stuff down. I mean, you know, you'd mentioned walls. We definitely, walls, walls have never, like all through history, I mean, wouldn't it be great if people loved their history more, but all through history we've had walls and you know what, they've never worked and eventually they always come down. And we're moving into a time when walls certainly don't serve us because none of us can protect ourselves from what's going on in the world. We're all in it together. It's, it's, this is, you know, climate, the climate catastrophe that's coming our way is everybody's issue. So nationalism, mm. I'm a proud Australian, but I'm not nationalist. I'm, uh, every country I've ever been to is every, every person I've ever met, every, culture, religion, I don't care what, where people come from. Every single person's got something to offer me. And I, I love to be open to what everyone's got to say. It's very rare for me to meet somebody that I can't hear because they're, they're too angry, they're too ugly in their way of thinking. I think everyone's got something worth, worth listening to and we've just got to stay open, you know. We've got to hear each other and we've got to come, come together as a, as a species, right? I was just reading the other day, 83% of all wild animals have been, have been killed by humans, right, or by reducing their territory. 83% of all wild animals. I mean, I'm, how can we sit here and just say, oh, let's just keep going as we are? We can't. You know, the oceans are full of trash. I'm picking up trash off the beach every night when I want my dog. Mm-hmm. We, we can't keep doing what we're doing. We're out of balance with, with our own nature. <laughs> yes, right? yeah. And the nomadic, the, the nomadic mindset is all about being in balance with nature and what it provides, the bounty it provides. Well, we're out of balance, so the bounty's going to go if we, don't, if we don't wake up soon. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, if you, we, we go back in history, which you have uh, greatly done in, in this conversation, is that in fact, if we go back to the beginning and with nomadic tribes, whether they're semi-nomadic or nomadic and, and around the world or indigenous peoples, they never had boundaries as far as land boundaries. And so they were able to move. Now, governments are wanting control and taxes. And so therefore, they put up and a variety of other aspects, but they put up boundaries. And so this is, there is a very important thing to thinking, right? The cognitive flexibility of individuals yeah. is through, there is a big discussion around how is education dealing with that cognitive flexibility and also the environment and how this can make us less flexible, therefore more narrow thinking. What, what yeah. do you think in that sense needs to be done so that we can keep this cognitive flexibility, which seems to be a skill that is really much needed? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so lucky. My boys are in an IB school, so International Baccalaureate, and it's all about um, thinking for themselves. They set these big, wonderful projects, but how, what the children do within that is up to them. So from a really, really young age, they start to define their own learning experience and it's such they don't know it, of course, but it's such a privilege for them to to be going through that. But then you look at the 
you know, inner city schools, you look at some of the some of the statistics that are coming out about around child poverty in, in the UK, and you think of those inner city schools and teachers who are scared to go to work or in America, people, you know, pe- people are scared of being shot at school, right? We need to address this. It's critical that we address this. And this is a long-term change that needs to happen. But we should have been on this years ago. I mean, as we look towards the future, the gig economy is going to come into full force. And I've, said, I've, I've been reading that up to 70% of jobs will be part of the gig economy. So that means people will not have full-time jobs. They won't have the benefits of full-time jobs. So they're going to have to sort of really start thinking about, well, how do I get, I'm, I'm already living in the gig economy. I've set my life up in the gig economy more than a decade ago. And it's about flexibility and freedom and movement. And you can live wherever you want to live and, and do the job that you want to do. Um, but if, you know, if 70% of jobs are going to be on the line, then people are needing to be thinking about that now, not hunkering down, holding on to old industries that are, are already obsolete. Um, and the only reason that they're still in play is because governments haven't worked out how to, how to make this change. And I'm a huge believer that we need universal basic income worldwide so everybody gets a living wage. And then, then we have a choice on top of that. What do we do? How do we spend our time? So, but our, our survival, our basic survival is covered. You know, we can afford. And if you want to go and earn money, go and earn more money. And if you don't, if you want to sit on the beach, go and sit on the beach. So, We've got a. We're in a. We're in a really, really interesting time with automation and artificial intelligence, machine learning, all this sort of stuff coming in. Right, mm. the changes that are coming are, are so huge and so and, and so rare. Just in the school environment, to see even even this being talked about or thought about. I'm glad my boys are hearing it, but I know a vast majority of children they're not being prepared for this future that's coming. But then the adults aren't preparing for it either. So. You know, I was talking to my brother who was telling me that he was trying to get his son ready for the future. And I'm like, but you don't even understand the future of work. You don't understand what it's going to look like. So how can you possibly get your get your son ready, right? One of the the guests on the show, Jeremy Blaine, he has talked about the future of work and he says this is actually a myth. And I think that we he says we need to stop thinking about it as a term, like another buzzword, because... We are already yeah. in the future. And so yeah. if you start thinking of the future as something out there, you're going to be left behind. And people are left exactly. behind. So exactly what you're yeah. talking about there. And this is, as you say, there's huge changes. And this, I th- think that there's something to do with the generational divide here that we, you probably can speak to because of your children and because of them being Z's and, and also mm. what is happening in this shift and they are more in tune to this. And therefore the concept of remote work is actually played into their realm a little bit more. So how do you feel that this can come into the play of, of where we are now and understanding in social, especially social conversation? Yeah, well, I mean, my boys, my boys are seeing it, and, and you're absolutely right. This it's not the future of work; it's the now of work, right? Um, so, getting ready now—that's that's what matters. What do you need to know? What do you need to learn? Uh, what tools do you need to master? Um, what if you're in an industry? If you're not researching your industry and its potential for disruption from a from a career or jo- job security perspective, I, I, I think you're really crazy. And my children, um, they're, they're seeing both of their parents already living this life, right? So they're getting a really interesting insight, more so than uh, a lot of children uh, have the opportunity to get around the world. You know, our boys have seen us take big risks, move countries multiple times in their lives. 
we're not afraid to make the hard decisions and the right decisions, the best decisions for them first. You know, so I think, you know, just maybe we need to just see more people who are already making these movements to to talk about what they're doing, why they're doing it, and talk to children about it and show children this possibility. It's it's a it's a, and then the other thing I think we've we've got to stop being scared of it. It's not scary. Like when I when I think of the human future that we can create, it's beautiful. You know, it's better. It's nicer. It's good for all of us. You know, equality is part of it. Diversity is part of it. Um, living in harmony with Mother Nature is part of it. You know, the, the mundane jobs in, of, in the world right now, they can be done by robots and that's not a scary thing if we set up our societies to make sure that the people who are left behind are taken care of, which is where I believe universal basic income has to come in and it's such a critical part of the story, right? We see these we see these industries falling apart, but the, the people who are being left behind, no one's no one's picking them up. No one's bringing them with us. No one's training them with the skills. They're just being let go. And then, then you've got these massive populations, typically white men as well, who who are who are disempowered, you know, and they're angry and they're frustrated and they don't know how to make a change. You see, you know, we we drove right across the the um, American Midwest. We did Route sixty six a couple of years ago, and all, all I could, could all we constantly saw was destitution, abandoned buildings, lives that. There was there was these uh, these vibrant towns and there was nothing left. And then we'd see these caravan parks in the middle of the desert that just went for miles and miles and miles and people living in that sort of an environment. So we've got to take care of the people that are being left behind. And I think you know, for me, for you, we've got to get people excited about what what it looks like for all of us. That it's better for all of us and that it's not something to be scared of. I think people there's a lot of fear that's driving yeah. the world at the moment, you know, and we're seeing it in all ways. But, you know, we're fearful of each other and, and politicians are excellent at putting someone, you know, the Australian uh, government was, I think it was the Somalis, Somalians. Um, they made out that they were some evil demographic within our community that were committing all these crimes and none of the statistics played out to to these claims. The people still believed it. So critical thinking skills in adults is obviously another thing that we need to be working on. You know, if the data doesn't support a politician's position, then we should be calling them out on it rather than getting caught up in the fear. And we're constantly getting caught up in the fear. You know, we're allowing these walls to be bought, to be built. And we've really just got to all take a step back. I mean, it's never been different throughout history, human human nature. It's ne- You know, the mob is is... It's, it's crazy, the mob on social media, right? I've always had a – I've really struggled with the concept of the mob, the mindlessness of a mob and the violence that it, it can really bring. I struggle with how much people suppress their voices because they live in fear of that being turned in their direction, you know. And I've, I've experienced the trolls on social media and it, it, it's crazy sometimes. You're just like and – and, and you talk to these people and they're not talking. They just want to shout. They just want to shout. So – Eventually, you kind of learn how to engage in, in interesting conversation, and other people you just you've just got to chop it off because they're not interested to talk in talking. They're not interested in understanding. They just want to fight. So, I'd love to I'd love to see us get the fear out. I'd love I'd love to see us get the fight out towards each other. And mm. I think the vast majority of us are here to do good in the world. The vast majority of us are here not to do harm. 
So let's fo- let's focus on the vast majority and just move forward and build what we need to build because we really are running out of time, you know. And and um, mm. I'm I'm concerned for my children's future. And we talk about education, and I, I absolutely believe that we need to change the education system. And and but at the same time, we haven't got time for these kids to grow up to sort it out for us. We've got to do it because we're running out. Of, we're running out of time, you know. So mm. yeah, it's a pretty complex world. <laughs> It is a complex world, and you, you know, I love the way you're talking about it. And we, we, there can be a beautiful world out there, and, there, and that's what the majority, I believe, are thinking. And so, I want to drive this back to organizations now. And I know that you work a lot in organizations. And how are you driving social leadership within organizations? Because I, I understand that that's something about a tool of business transformation that you're working with and challenging leaders. So how do you do that and why do you do that? Well, so in, in my previous lives, first of all with Microsoft and then afterwards with a, a content agency called Novus. So my my business sort of background was very much in the content marketing space and then then um, when social media came out, that was a huge passion for me because I'm a natural communicator and I love sharing information and, um, you know, so for me social media was such a blessing. Um, but there was this one thing that I kept seeing within the big corporations. So they were creating this beautiful content, but then nobody was ever nobody was ever seeing it. And I was realizing that that we needed to embrace the employees within a business to really go out there and own their voice on social media and share this beautiful company information so that the company could could benefit and flourish. And you know, I've worked with and I focus on working with the big MNCs because I, I'm interested in proving the massive change that's possible. And you can only do that if you work with you know hundreds or thousands of employees. So I've worked with lots of different ones, but IBM, I've been working with them consistently across Asia-Pacific for the last three years, and I'm just doing my third year of survey with the people who were part of the program. And we've basically been able to prove that it generates millions and millions of dollars in in revenue and uh, pipeline and opportunities for the business. But more than that, it also helps the employees be more confident in themselves. They feel more in control of their careers. Um, some of them talk about business stuff. Um, they talk about the products, the technology. Some of them want to talk about being a leader and what it means to be a leader and who inspires them. But some of them want to talk about mindfulness or spirituality, right? And people say to me, but how can that benefit my business if someone wants to talk about spirituality? And the, in the feedback, what I've been seeing is, the employees are, are getting this incredible response from their community. They they believe that IBM must be an incredible company to work for because it, it celebrates its people for bringing their whole self to work. But also the customers are reaching out directly to employees on, on LinkedIn and saying, I want to talk to you, and then they go and do a business deal, but it starts from them consistently building a strong presence on social media. But it's not just talking about the company. It's talking about what they care about. Because if they're passionate in, in what they talk about, they build a community around that passion because people can't resist it, right? So I encourage all of the employees to go out there and really own their voice in whatever they, every way they want. And then off the back of that, opportunities come. Um, they, they're getting promotions, huge promotions, uh, global awareness within the company and externally to the company. They build more trust with their customers. As leaders, they build more trust with their, with their teams because the, um, the, the teams are seeing their leaders speaking in a really authentic and powerful way. So I'm, I'm a really big believer that you've got to unleash the voice of your employees and that is the tool of transformation today. 
And I've seen it happen. And you've got to do it at that scale. And people talk about employee advocacy, but employee advocacy is always about the brand. It's about employees taking the brand information and sharing it out there in the world. My message is go out there and build your voice first, be known for what you want to be known for, and also share the company information that you're proud of. So you can't just ask employees to share anything because it's their integrity on the line. It's their social media presence. It's it's who they are. And, and the best people don't ever want to just share something for the sake of it. They don't want to share something to make the company happen happy. They're, 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 they understand that it's about their personal integrity that they're putting on the line. So my message is very much about encouraging people to step into their own voice. And then collectively, that voice is incredibly powerful and the business benefits, but the individual employees benefit too. And, you know, I've got three years of data now where I can really prove it on, on, on in so many ways. There's so many benefits to the business. And uh, I believe it is the, the tool of transformation for business today. Wow, that's fantastic. I mean, it's wonderful to hear. And I remember you saying never to outsource your voice to me. And when doing social media, such as I wanted to get a social media manager to do all of that, and because I'm a bit lazy and all sorts of things. However, you said Mm -hmm. never outsource your voice because everybody wants to hear your voice and nobody can speak it like you can. And I guess that is also what you're saying as far as start with your voice first and then the advocacy, which is the brand, comes with it. And uh, I guess we all need to think about that, right? Yeah, um, and and people still try and um, convince me otherwise. I'm not saying as a business leader, you can't be supported by your executive communica- communications teams or your PR team, but you've got to be involved in your voice. And, and you know, Kevin, who can do Kevin other than Kevin? Who can do Andrea other than Andrea, right? Um, yeah. You know, we're very strong personalities in our own right. And and if I, if, if I allowed information to be put out there that I hadn't created, everybody would instantly see that it wasn't me because – I've been doing my own thing for such a long time and it is a commitment, but I think there are things that people are doing today that they can stop doing that can be outsourced, but your voice should never be one of them. People are craving authenticity. Trust is at an all time low. If you want to build trust, you've got to be authentic and real and have a lot of integrity on social media. And you can never understand the true power of social media. If you're not participating there yourself, you just can't. You don't understand how it works. You don't understand how people behave on the platform. You don't see it's good and it's bad in all its glory, right? You've got to see it all and you can only see it if you participate in it. So that's why I really I really discourage people from outsourcing their voice. If you can't write and you want to write blogs, fine, get a ghostwriter. But you need to be part of the process of getting that blog written. You can't just let mm-hmm. somebody else write it, right? So it's just about being involved in your own voice because there is nothing more powerful than owning your own voice today. And I'm amazed by how many people have still not taken up this opportunity. Amazed. I guess there's a lot of factors in that. And uh, again, I come back to mindset and where that mindset might be. And it seems like from what I have been discussing with other guests on the show is that they have said that the 21st century organizational model needs to have a more nomadic mindset. Not to say that we 
can, we don't need the builder mindsets and the settler mindsets, but this is that particip- participation of where that nomad is a- is freer. They no- they don't buy into the yeah. fear as much. They don't buy into you know fear of change or things like that because as when I spoke to spent time with nomadic cultures and I asked them first world questions like oh how do you deal with change and they'd sort of look at me very blankly. It's like. Uh, <laughs> everything's change, you know, or they even wouldn't even answer yeah. the question. It's like, why even have the conversation? It's just the way it is. And so yeah. we get ourselves into this mess. And I get, I would say then the social media and the social conversation that you're talking about can be very helpful in a very positive way of, you know, the expansion of thinking wide. So, what do you, what what are you seeing as far as mindset mm. when you talk about IBM or do you see that being more expansive? Do you see that it being more flat or do you see it still being sort of siloed and and very top down? Or are they giving much more? Uh, I don't like to use the word power and control, but are they given much more leeway? I suppose to make decisions and take responsibilities. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I had a really wonderful starting point with um, the CMO as well as the VP of the business unit that brought me in. And they both fully embraced the message and became active in their own right. And and so just, just you know, I always say to do the work that I do, I have to start at the top of the organisation because if I can convince them that this is the right approach, then everything, then, then the whole the whole business changes. And so because I had, had that incredible start with, with these really open people that were really open to a way of thinking that hadn't been proved yet as well, which was, which was a bit of an unusual privilege. But, you know, yeah, th- this idea that it has to be proved before you embrace it is kind of interesting to me. But what I've seen is, so when, you, when you're a social leader, you're solving problems. You're inspiring people to think differently. You're, you're, you're challenging people to move forward in, you know, and with technology or with a mindset. So it's, 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 very, very, it's very expansive. And what I see is, I, I just see the people that I work with who really embrace it. They, they bubble. I mean, every time I see these people, they, they, they hug me, right? Uh-huh. I've never, I've never worked, I've never worked with clients like that before, right? And they hug me because they're so grateful that I, I said to them, it's all right to be you. It's all right to unlock that potential. It's all right to go out there and say that. I helped them believe that they had something worth hearing. I helped them believe doing that. And that's basically what I do. You know, and such a privilege to be able to do that. And, you know, I've sat down with these people, smartest people I've ever met in my life, right? And they'll, they'll talk to me about these topics that they care about. And it might, it might be something I've never heard of, but because I'm always sort of taking on board so many different data points and information points, I'm always reading. I'm sort of on the pulse of what's going on, right? That's kind of one of my, my things. Um, I, can, I, I understand where they can place their position within the context of the bigger global discussions that are going on. And that gives them confidence too. But yeah, it's, it's been, it's, it's, it's such a, I, I've, it's, I'll say it again, but it's such a privilege to be able to unlock those doors to, to people because I think a lot of us get locked down quite early on in life with a path to follow, with a religion to believe in, with a career to follow. You know, we, we're kind of locked down in cultural, not, cultural sort of challenges, families, all that sort of stuff. And, I suppose when I work with people on on, on unlocking the, the door, like I had one guy, he wrote he wrote the first poem that he'd written since he was twelve because after that 
He was too focused on becoming a software engineer. And he's basically in tears at this ability to sort of express himself creatively. And he forgot, he forgot that he had that passion mm. because he had to sort of lock it down so that he could pursue these other, these other sort of paths that society told him he had to do. So yeah, it's a really powerful unlocking of people. And it's, it, that's why, you know, when I talk to people about it, I'm like, get on social media, have a voice, get out there, own it, talk about it. Don't worry about trolls and bots there. Yeah, they'll always be there. You'll see them coming. Don't worry. And over time, you, get, you kind of get used to them. You deal with them or you don't, whatever. Or you have a bit of fun with them, which I do sometimes. But just get out there and stand for something. Stand for something you believe in. You know, if, if you want to create a future for that you're, you know that you're, that's going to be good for your children, get out there and start talking about it. Start talking about solutions to those problems. Start presenting different ideas and different ways of thinking and bring people with you. You know, if you get your message right, you, you build a community around you that wants to be part of that. You know, they believe in what you've got to say. And, and, that, and, that, and that's a really, that's a, you know, but that's not a short-term thing. It takes time. It takes, it can take six months, 12 months, five years, 10 years, you know, but you've just got to get out there and don't, don't have an outcome in mind. Just be a voice that wants to solve the problems that the world is facing and, 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 and really go out there and own it and just watch out, watch how it builds, you know, and don't be scared of it. It's, um, it's a contribution that we can all make today. I think that's probably one of the most important things, what you just said there, was being your voice and own it. And I think it's a great way to end today in that wonderful conversation. God, you're, you're fabulous, <laughs> Andrea. I really, uh, <laughs> really believe this. And I love the way you are very articulate about all of these messages and, and your passion has come through in your voice. And, and when I'm with you, it's always very passionate in that sense. And, I want to thank you very much for being your voice, being the social leader, helping us to all shift and being mm -hmm. that digital conversationist. And, and I, you know, hey, man, you are a nomad. That's for sure. <laughs> you have a great <laughs> oh. mindset. <laughs> I am a definite nomad physically and intellectually. I'm all over the place and, and I love it. I love it. Such a gift. And you're being, you're very, very kind. Um, you know, that's, it's just it's all about working out who we are and it's a journey right and we we start we start from the place that we're in but we're always growing we're always changing we're always evolving and i think my voice is going much wider now it's talking about a lot of different things it's trying to bring a lot of different ideas together because that's something that i think i'm good at i think i can sort of track a lot of different sort of ideas and opinions and i think i'm good at pulling them together and sort of drawing conclusions and, you know, and different people have different strengths. And I think we've got to, we've got to be proud of our strengths, you know, and, and be a voice for good in the world. We need, we need voices for good. And I think we need more of us to step up into our goodness and drown out, drown out the haters and the ugliness because the one thing that turns people off social media is the ugliness of social media. And the only way we can turn it, tone it down is if more of us speak up. So that's a big part of my drive and my passion too. Wow. Thank you so much, Andrea. This is a great message for us to step up into yeah. our own voices. Thank you very much for being here today, Andrea. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you, darling. You have been listening to The Nomadic Mindset, Season 1. My name is Kevin Cottom, and I invite you to find out more about The Nomadic Mindset at thenomadicmindset.com. Until next time, make it a point to go nomading and start discovering your nomadic mindset.